Thank you, Abby. I am his and he is mine. We are his forever. We are in our series continuing the joy of knowing as we study the, God, the epistle of 1 John. And as we do so, we'll be in our next section, chapter 5. We are getting close. But, um, no, there's still a few more weeks. So, I have enjoyed this study. It has taught me much, reminded my heart of, of great needs. And so, as we look at this, as we see into God's Word, um, we see the need of our heart. And so, as we read today, I'm going to read uh, there beginning in, um, in verse 1, and we'll carry through verse 5. Let's see what God has for us. Would you follow along as I read Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's bow for prayer and ask his help to understand his word today. Gracious God, by your mercy and by your great grace, you have brought us here today. And God, you have your word for us that we might hear and we might learn But we cannot hope to do so well unless aided by the Holy Spirit. So I pray, Father, that you would send the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, opening the Word of God to us, opening our hearts to receive it, impacting our hearts, Lord, as it were, rooting and digging around in those areas that we need the special instruction of the Word. And so may your Spirit reign in our service today. May it be such that resounds of your glory, of your might, and of your love. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. In January of 1941, in the early days of World War II, a former Belgian foreign minister suggested in a broadcast that the V for victory sign should be the symbol of the victory that they all desired over the Axis powers. The hand symbol, so two fingers raised in the air, palm out in the shape of a V, would be the sign. And it would be the emblem of all those who wished the defeat of the Axis. In fact, you saw this often uh, before they really clamped down on it in occupied territories. Territories occupied by the Axis powers, Germany, in silent protests those captive would raise their hand, praying, hoping for the victory. Many others included this sign or symbol uh, in part of their public appearances. Here in 1943, Winston Churchill, now Prime Minister at this time, uh, by, by great need, uh, Prime Minister of England, would walk around in public, and as he greeted the crowds, he would have that symbol for victory. And in a famous scene in May 8th, 1945, VE Day, Victory in Europe, we have photographed for us uh, 
Winston Churchill overlooking crowds and throngs of people celebrating victory with his hand held high with its symbol of victory. So it was that symbol, and long before it was ever a peace symbol, it was the sign of victory. Victory, the V for victory, was a hope. It began as, as, as a desire for freedom. And it finally saw a fulfillment in that hope. There was a hope, and so it's finally on that day, and then later in September of uh, 1945, we have VJ Day victory in Japan. But it was a hope that they wished would be realized. But for the Christian, God gives us the symbol of victory, and it is not a hope. The symbol of victory for the Christian is an already realized symbol of Jesus and an empty tomb. The symbol of victory for the believer is that Jesus died upon a cross, was buried, but was raised again to life so that we might have life through him. So for the believer, it is not a hoped for victory, but a realized victory. But yet, why does it often feel that we do not have the victory in our lives? We are living but the final act before we see the rewards of victory that Christ has. But we often feel pulled down in life as we live. No sign of victory for us. We feel defeated in the struggle against sin, the sin of our own hearts and and minds. We struggle with loving others and even loving God. We feel as though victory has not been realized. But in our text this morning, John, by the work of the Holy Spirit on his heart as he writes to the churches, lets us know that victory is secure and victory is ours. Victory is for the one who has believed in Jesus. There is a V for victory for the believer. That V, that victory is, is encapsulated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So our first five verses of this text brings us a conclusion to his theme of love. He started in verses four, uh, verse 7 of chapter 4, and he's been building on this. In fact, you see again the word love mentioned over and over in these five verses. And as he builds this, he gives us almost the end cap to this. In fact, in verse 1, he gives us a kind of a uh, in verse 5, the, the book ends for the thought to conclude this section of what he's doing. Let's read this together again. Verse 1. Verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now think about what he's saying. And whoever, who is it that he's speaking of? Well, each and every one. It's personal, but it's inclusive of those who believe. Now, everyone believing, now if we look at the, the language underlying this, it's present. It's action and process, but it has no sense of completion. There's no end date to this. It is currently, it's like I'm not done believing. 
There was a, a, an action that happened, and it's, it's a true action, a real action in the tense. And it's active, but it's singular in that we, each of us, each one of us, must believe. So it gives us the idea of ongoing, persistent faith that began at a time in which we placed our faith in Jesus, as the, the passage says, that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. He uses the, the human name Jesus, and he uses the anointed one, the, the name that's pointed to the one that would come, the one promised of God the Father who would come, the Christ, the anointed, the Messiah. And what John is there is also, again, talking to this, these people who, uh, if you've been with us before, uh, I'll remind you, if you haven't been with us, there's the understanding that he's dealing with those who have gone out of the church. They have denied the deity of Christ, and in some spaces they've denied that Christ was even human. They said maybe Christ, uh, Jesus, the, the, the Lord, God, came upon Jesus at a time, sometime around the baptism, and then he left before the cross. And John said, this is not true. Jesus was fully God, fully man. As he is fighting this, as he's letting these believers know the truth and reminding them and encouraging them, assuring them, he's saying, so the one who believes, ongoing persistent faith, that Jesus is God himself. Fully human, fully God. This one is born of God. Now, what's interesting about this, the idea of born of God, it it takes us back to the understanding that Jesus, yes, is divine, He is the Son of God. He is human, but we who have been born have been born out of God, literally. Out of God has been born. God brought this new life. And John, the Gospel of John, he writes, Hey, uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus as John's recording this. He says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, I don't get this. What do you mean born again? And Jesus was throughout his earthly ministry, spoke of this new life in him. And here the emphasis is, it's a past-completed action, but there's a, the, the overall passive of this. So the one who is born of God, God has done the work of this new birth. I didn't do it when I placed my faith and trust in God. I didn't do it, but God did. Born from God, he has been born out of. Here it is. So what's John saying here in the epistle? The one who believes confessionally that Jesus is God, this one out of God has been born. God has birthed him again. It is the work of God. So this is going to be his premise. Now, this one, if you have placed your faith in Christ, ongoing, persistent faith because of what God has done for you on the cross, this is the one who has been born of God. So he continues that thought. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. So he's saying understood, and he's talked about in the verses prior, um, in cha- end of chapter 4 on down. He's talking about loving God. Hey, the one who, lo- who knows God, who has come to faith, loves the Father, loves God. John says again here, he says, the one who loves the Father loves the child born of the Father. So who is that? Who, are the, who is the child speaking of? It's all those all those who know Christ, who have been born of God, he says, this one. So he's bringing this idea of you love the parent, you love God the Father, you also love the child. Very simple and straightforward. It, it seems like um, 
He's telling us this over and over again. It's almost like we need to understand this. And we do. We need to know that if you love God, you will love also the child of God. That's the next logical extension of the love of God. Is to love the one born of God. Because the love doesn't spring from me. It springs from God. His work in me. From that love, love springs forward to love other people. It's a sacrificial love. It's the same word used for love all the way through um, John's argument here. It's sacrificial, others, other-focused love. A love that gives willingly of themselves. It's love. It's not we put up with them. It's not that, well, we just avoid them at the grocery store. But we don't actually hate them because the end of 14, uh, uh, end of uh, chapter 4, he talks about, well, don't hate your brother. So it's more than don't hate. He's coming back around to the theme that it, it's love. It is love. It's genuine love. It's not speaking behind someone's back because of the love for God. So you love God's child. See, here, here's the deal. He want to put in this word that love is the new norm for the believer. Love is, let's say it another way, normative, normative for the believer. It is what should, is the evaluating standard for the believer. Love. Again, John hits us where we live. If you say that you love God, if you believe, have faith in God, you love Him and you love others with Him. In the commentary that Hebert, write, Hebert writes on this, he, he quotes uh, Plummer. And um, he says, in short, love to God and love to the brethren confirm and prove each other. If either is found alone, it is not genuine. See, one proves the other. I can't say I love God and hate my brother. And when I love my brother, it shows that I love God. See, the one born of God loves the Father, loves each other. You know, and there is no room, no quarter given. John does not give us an excuse for this. God just does not, John does not give us anything to wiggle out of this. And so he comes to us, we who've been gloriously saved by Christ, by the grace of God, we must love. For those of whom you disagree, for those of you think, I think, I think it should be done a better way, um, or I'm waiting till they, no, we don't say I'm waiting till they come to, to me, well, I'll forgive them when they come to me. Love. See, we often are too comfortable with this middle ground between love and hate. I don't, I don't hate them. I mean, if they were like on the side of the road with you know bleeding gashes, then I would you know take some duct tape and wrap it around his leg. Okay, I would you know I would call the ambulance. All right, but you know, don't ask me to love him and give my stuff to him or her or take care of them or or. I mean, sacrifice me for that. We are too comfortable with that middle ground of just avoiding them so we don't have problems. That's not love. The middle ground is not love. As he says, if either is found alone, it is not genuine. I wonder. Um, We were talking to our grace group uh, Wednesday, and uh, someone mentioned the imaginary conversations that we have in our heads with someone. Well, I would tell him this, and and, and then 
I'm sure she would say, or he would tell, say back this way, and we have this conversation. It's not happening, really. They have no knowledge of it, but we're, we're putting words in their mouth. We're assigning motives. Uh-oh, 1 Corinthians 13. We're doing all of this. We're... No, that's not what God wants. This is not what God desires for the believer. It is for love. If believing by faith you are born of God, you love the Father, you love his children. John continues, For this is the love of God. He's expanding on this. He elaborates here. For this is the love of God. Whoops, did I go too far? Let me get a second. Uh, By this we know. Hmm. It's not there. I'll put it there. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. So here he elaborates this. By this we know that we love the children of God when? When do we know this? We love God, observe the believer. The believer loves God, keeps his commandments. See how this is all wrapped up. What I think John is doing is kind of give us, and I'll illustrate this in a minute, give us the circle of our love and our operation as a believer. These things that are going on simultaneously in our life, that we love the Father and we love those who are of the Father, and we are also, we are observing, we're doing, keeping His commandments. That we continue to do so with great love and with great diligence. Someone once said, to live above with saints, with saints in love, that will indeed be glory. To live below with saints we know is quite another story. Obedience is love. Obedience is love. It's not an emotionalism. It's not anything that would be... Um, it takes great grace. It takes the Father's love to love. Verse 3 continues. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And then he elaborates further, and His commandments are not burdensome. Notice, love for the Father, love for those who are of the Father, and then doing the keeping of the commandments. We keep His commandments. And he he adds this little addendum. And His commandments are not burdensome. say, but wait a second. I've read parts of the Bible. They seem kind of burdensome to me. When Jesus was asked to give the greatest commandment, he said, what? Love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. But he said the second is like unto it. What was that? Love your neighbor. God didn't ask us to walk on hands and knees across broken glass, that we might prove that we are saved. God didn't say, do these great and mighty works for me, so I will love you, (laughs) that you will earn your salvation. And then after salvation, I want you to work really hard and and self-flagellate. I want you to beat yourself with whips. I want you to do all these things. No, he says, I want you to love me. I want you to love others. John expands and hones in. I want you to love those others that are part of the body of Christ that you're with often. It's interesting that he says this love for God, 
for this love in verse 3, this love of God is love for God, really. God is the generative of this. Our love for God, you know, the, the Pharisees had this, this thing, um, when they took the Sabbath day's journey, it's about two-thirds of a mile. You know, you couldn't walk any past that or they, they would come down on you. Of course, they got around that, but they'd bring a piece of furniture, it was said, and uh, walk two-thirds and drop their furniture. Or uh, some of them left food and the night before or, you know, bound up and stuff like that. And then they walk, well, this is part of my home. So I got the two-thirds here and I got another two-thirds to go here. They worked around it. These are not the kind of things that God is saying. As John has said, you know, the burdensome commandments, the, the commandment is to love. And yes, his other commandments of being holy as I am holy, these commandments are not burdensome also because these are commandments to be like God who loved us. Love for God results in obedience. We are not to be obedient so that God will love us. Love for God, his love for us. Love for God results in obedience. Not burdened. Next verse, verse 4, he expands. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So he's expanding the idea. So whatever is born of God, so who is that one? Verse 1, the one that believes. Yes, I heard that. who, Who is the one who loves, is born of God? The one that believes, there you go, um, overcomes the world. Well, that's interesting. Whatever, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is a victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Now, let's unpack this a little bit. So let's, let's look at the, the word world, because he's used that several times. Uh, chapter 1, verse 2 of, of the epistle here. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world the people in the world. But chapter 2, verse 15 and 17, says, do not love the world nor the things that are in the world. Uh, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So we have that understanding of this idea of world. Um, For all that is in the world, he continues the lust of the flesh, uh, the pride, uh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but it's from the world. And the world passes away and also is lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever, ever. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, the world does not know us. Chapter 3, verse 11, the world system and the people who follow it, he said, will hate you who know Christ. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, false prophets have gone out into the world. And verse 5 talks about the false prophets speak from the world and the world listens to them. But in verse 4 of chapter 4, greater is he who is in the world. So he has this understanding. I believe here John is speaking of this idea of uh, whoever is born of God overcomes the world is the world system, which we can say in chapter 2, 15 and 16, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, pride of life, boasting, those things that, that feed our fleshly nature. I want to be recognized. I want to have my flesh satisfied. I want... I want to, to see and I crave and desire, lustful desires of things I see. This is what he's saying. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So wait a second, Stacey, I struggle with these things. Well, he's going to elaborate a little bit more on this, but 
This is a very bold statement that John makes. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. But how do we get this victory? And he uses the word that we know, well, the word in Greek, Nike, you might think of, it's, no, it's not this. Um, it's not that. You know why they use it? Victory. It's not just do it, okay? You know, th- this symbol doesn't mean just do it. That's their, ad, their tagline. Victory. So, we'll back up to four. Whoever is born of God, whatever is born, overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, and he comes back and points to our faith. Going back to verse one, the one who believes in God is born of God. The power of God that makes you born of God, that saving faith gives you victory to overcome the world. Now, for all of us who are tempted to um, struggle with sin in our own strength, to battle our own sin nature within us, those things we lust after, for us who are tempted to do that in our own strength, we will always fail. But when we, by God's grace, believing that He is the Christ, the Son of God, and now are born of God, that action of being born of God gives us the power, the same power, the same power that, is, that causes us to be born out of God, now is the power for us to overcome the world. But we must place our understanding, faith, in God's power to overcome. It's not that we have great faith that we hang on tight and so we overcome. It is the going back to our conversion, the work of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in us, and our faith in God, in Christ, that, that has done the work now. Christ has done the work that we might overcome our faith. And so he continues in the verse 5. Who is the one who overcomes the world? He's, he's restating. Who is this one? But he who, who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, so... He confirms for us. If you didn't think I was quite on the right page on, on, on verse 4, he restates it for me, for us. That yes, I'm talking about this one. So a book ends, verse 1, verse 5, dealing with the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, in His grace, His glory, His power, to bring us into His family. That glorious power is the power that we have to overcome the world and the sins that rage within us. So they have that strength. We have victory. We might illustrate it this way. So we have faith in Jesus. This is the one who is born of God. Sometimes we'll like to say this is a follower of Christ. Okay? When I say that, I'm speaking of one who says, yes, I have received Jesus as my Savior. I've placed my faith in Him. And now I follow Him. An act of ongoing faith after that initial conversion but I follow Him. I know that I've been born of God there in the center. I've been born of God. He has done the work. I didn't work for it. Faith is not a work. Okay, Make no mistake. I didn't work hard for it. No. God did the work, but I trust. I'm like a man who is, who's received a life preserver into the ocean. Okay? I didn't save myself when I hang on to it. Okay? I trusted, and someone else pulled me in. So we have this understanding But look at the work that goes on in our lives in this fashion. So the faith in Jesus Christ, the one born of God, loves God. 
He loves the Father. From that love of the Father, the Father in us, what? We love the children of God. Those who around us are God's children. We love them. We also know and keep the commandments of God. This is all part and parcel of who we are as one born of God. It is a result of our faith as we live. And we have victory. We overcome the world through God, through the power of God as we have been born of God. And this is the ongoing circle of the believer's life as we live. Our ongoing faith in the work of God reminds us that we have victory that we have victory over sin, that we do not fight it in and of our own strength. Would that we understood that the grace of God and the love of God has won for us the victory over our sin instead of saying, I'll do better next time. I'll work harder next time. No, run to God Realize that the work of God, the grace of God, gives you everything you need to overcome sin and follow Him. It's interesting how as we love God, as we love God, the things around us don't seem quite so attractive. And as we love the children of God, it it trains our heart to love others. Side thought. We are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. Those who know Christ, those who do not know Christ. To exhibit the love of Jesus. How are we going to well love the neighbor, the friend, the co-worker who does not know Jesus Christ if we can't get along with those who know Christ? It's training. The church is training ground for loving others who do not know Christ. It's not that those who don't know Christ are, are just so much more unlovely. No. The problems with us most of the time, the problem is with us that we don't love well because we've forgotten the work of God and grace that's done in our hearts and lives. Going back to the gospel, letting it do its work in us. So we have this, this great work of God. For John, everything begins with a right view of Jesus and a right relationship with Jesus, the Son of God. It begins with faith in Him. As the old gospel song states, faith is the victory. But it's not just any faith. It's not just faith in anything. Scripture is very exclusive. Not only is it the only religion that says I, God, will I God will give myself for you in sacrifice. I will love you so much, I will lay down my life for you, that you might have life. But it's the one who says, follow me exclusively only. Live out your life for me. Let me live my life through you, God says. Faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God begins this cycle. So where are you today? The question is, if you're a believer, is the circle broken for you somewhere today? Is this circle somehow broken? Maybe we're not loving God right. 
Everything else crowds out our love for God. Maybe we're not loving others correctly. Maybe it's that we disregard the commandments of God. We think that we can't be bothered with those commandments of the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Maybe we're struggling with sin because we've forgotten We've forgotten what God has done for us at salvation. So we must be reminded of the faith that we have. Believer, if you're struggling in this area, it is only by the power of God that you gain victory here. Going back to what saved you, God's power, replacing your faith in Him, begins that process of restoration in our hearts and lives. Maybe you're struggling with loving others. Maybe you've not had a victory in your life in a long time in the area of sin or of love. Go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning of what God has done for you. Since Jesus has loved us and has saved us, you and I must live in faith. And it's easier said than done. We glibly say, oh, I love God, I love others. But when God shines his light in our hearts, will he see that love? If you're here to know, and you do not know Christ as your Savior, right now, there is no victory in life. You may think there is, and there were times and we probably all thought that we were victorious, and but that's just what sin has. Not only does it blind, sin sometimes blinds the believer that we don't see our, our true state, but sin always blinds those who do not know Jesus. Ask, ask us how we know. All of us sitting around you, we're, we're in that spot. But through faith in Christ, you can have new life, be born of God. Will you know the joy of knowing Jesus? Will you know the joy of faith in him? And will you know the victory that comes through faith? Let's bow. Gracious God, by your mercy and by your grace, we are here today. We do not know the hearts of everyone, Lord. Um, only you do. And so as you do your work in the heart in the heart here today, I pray that you would, by the Holy Spirit, dig deep Father, we need the power of your might. Father, we need to understand the grace that was given to us, the love that you have had for us. May we appropriate that love and grace and strength as we love one another. 
Oh God, may we see who you are. May we know you aright. So God, I pray that you'd work in hearts and lives today. May the response be to your word. May it be free. May it be without reservation. May there be victory in life today. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.